All right, gentlemen, you are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. My name is Charlie Ungemach. I'm the founder and curator of this podcast. I can't spit out to you any qualifications or, or wonderful uh, you know, certifications that make me qualified to do this podcast. I can simply tell you that I'm a young Christian man who looked around one day and said, um, several years ago, looked around and said, I'm not the man I wish I was. I'm not the man I want to be. And actively started pursuing Christian manhood in my own life. And then was led to share that journey with you guys. And I, and I can't wait to share continually the, the, the great things that we have going on and the things that I've learned. Um, today's podcast is no different. Uh, Mr. Matthew Bound from Camp Phillip is a wonderful man of God uh, who really takes seriously the, the calling to live the way Jesus lived. I think you'll be able to hear that in the way that he talks. I can honestly say I'm a better man for having sat down with him for 90 minutes, and I can't wait to sit down with him again and uh, continue to talk about the things of God and uh, build a relationship with him. He uh, is not doing so hot physically at the moment, so keep him in your prayers, and uh, we're going to... We're going to do some awesome uh, ministry together someday, I know it. Um, with that being said, if you support the podcast, please do so on the uh, interwebs. <laughs> that came out weird, but you know what I mean. Get on Instagram and Facebook and make sure that you're sharing our content and liking the things that we put out there, making other people see that this is something you care about. You can be a part of the Gird Up community. And uh, if you would like to support us financially, the two easiest ways to do that are to sponsor things on this show, get a hold of me and let me know what you want, or to get on our Patreon account and donate there. But all that information is at the end of the show. Uh, we look forward to having you be a part of our ministry. I think I've got it covered, guys. Tomorrow's my first day of school, so or today, because this will publish on Tuesday morning. This is my first day of school. Keep me in your prayers. Um, and I'm going to keep posting on Instagram all those pictures and, uh, and Facebook um, my daily prayers so that uh, it's a little bit of accountability piece for me, uh, letting you guys see that I really am living out what I'm doing here and what I'm talking about. So that's a word from our sponsor. We're going to get into our interview today with Mr. Matthew Bound. Uh, a little bit of a disclaimer here. At the end of the show, about the last 10 minutes or so, we're, we're, we don't really disagree, but we kind of freewheel a little bit and uh, discuss um, the semantics of Christian manhood and womanhood. Um, I just want you to understand it as such. It is semantics. It's it's us talking about and kind of hashing out in our own minds and our own thoughts um, what it really means to be a Christian man and what the what it really means to be a Christian woman and and what is the difference between the two and uh, what the importance of the difference is. I think you'll understand when we get there. Um, but just an encouragement to take it as it is, not as a statement of fact, um, but simply as two men. Uh, who love their Lord and passionately follow Him, uh, hashing out the details of what sanctified living looks like. Um, so again, after a word from our sponsor, we get into the interview with Mr. Matthew Bound. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Christ for Disciples podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Steinberg, son of a canon, father of five sons. Each weekday on the Christ for Disciples podcast, I apply God's word to raising the next generation. Take 10 minutes each weekday to listen to the Christ for Disciples podcast and get direction and gospel power to disciple the youngest generation. Subscribe to the Christ for Disciples podcast by going to ChristForDisciples.com or searching on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and whatever else. ChristForDisciples.com. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. 
Here you will find a community of believers working hard to become the men that God created us to be. Now it's time to roll up your sleeves and let's get to work. All right, our guest today, our super special guest today, is Matthew Bound from Camp Phillip. What's up, Matthew? Hi, thanks so much for having me, Charlie. I'm very excited to be here with you. Yeah, this is awesome. I appreciate you letting me in the house. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, so uh, we are sitting here at Camp Phillip, and what is your position here at Camp Phillip? I'm the program director here. All right. You want to tell us a little bit about Camp Phillip first? Just, you know, what, what is it and what do you guys do? Sure. We're affiliated with the Wisconsin Synod, and we provide relaxation and creation and renewal in Christ to everyone who comes here. It's our, our mission. Uh, lots of programs, activities, things that are super fun for everyone, but really that's not why we exist. Uh, at the center of all those things is Christ, and we really want to, want to share Jesus with the people who come here. Yeah, awesome. So what does that look like? You say relaxation and creation and, and then some of the other things. What, uh, what, how exactly do you make that happen? Sure. Well, I think that the number one thing we do is look at the Bible. We look at Jesus and we say, well, how did Jesus live? Uh, what did he want from us in our, in our lives? How we conduct ourselves, you know, in words and actions, thought, that sort of idea. And we, you know, through the Holy Spirit, we strive to create that environment here that Jesus says, you know, to love, to encourage one another, to forgive each other, that sort of stuff. And when we do that, we find that the that the atmosphere that that is created here at the camp is is what we like to picture as what Jesus had in mind when he created the world. Not that this place is without sin or anything like that. But it's an amazing difference when you're when you're here and you're spending time with the with the staff and the campers and you know our, our guests from our retreats, and you can just see the difference of of people living and acting in a way that Jesus had intended that He had told us to live, and it seems almost magical to people if you understand that correctly. That that like wow, when you apply what Jesus says, like what a difference it makes in the world. And there's so many people who come here that will note that they'll say there's something different about camp, and you know some of them will note that you know I just can't put my finger on it, but there's there's something different about being here. And say like, well, you know, here's here's what we try to do. We try to just love the way Jesus told us to love, and they say that's it. That's what it is. Like people live out their faith, and you can just see it here. So I'm really um, touched. I I was impacted by that when I was a camper here, and then now I get. The opportunity um, to to be a part of doing that here as well. Yeah. So um, you guys, uh, you're right, and, and you can feel it as soon as you as you walk in here. And uh, you know, not to play the comparison game, but there aren't a lot of places like this. Um, even entities that do like summer camps and things like that. There's not a lot of places like this, um, and it's it is very impressive. And I appreciate the work you guys are doing, um, but uh, there has to be m- like more to it. Like, how do you? So you have. Uh, tremendous like junior staff and staff um and uh, especially like the college-aged kids that you get doing some really cool awesome things um don't like they don't act the way you'd expect (laughs) a bunch of college kids on summer break to act and uh, i think you know what i'm getting at here so the the question is how do you how do you uh what are some of the things you do to build that atmosphere, though? Like, you can say, we just love, but how do you teach that? How do you encourage that, enforce that? Like, how, how do you make that happen? Uh, well, actually, it's, it was just described to me. Someone said, it's kind of interesting at Camp Phillip because in one way, it's like one of the strictest places that you could be. And in another way, it's super loose. And then he went on to describe 
about how on a strict level, it's because you, there's just certain expectations that, that are here, that exist. And so, for example, the college kids you mentioned, perhaps in other settings, drinking or swearing or course talking maybe about women or just in general, that sort of stuff, wouldn't maybe seem out of place, unfortunately. But here it really does seem out of place. And so people will come here and they, they'll just say, you know, all this stuff that maybe flew under my radar is something I should care about or, you know, be bothered by or something like that. Here it's just like no one does it, so I don't do it. And um, so that's the part that he says it feels really strict. This person who was talking to me said it feels really strict because you're just like really attentive to how you conduct yourself. And then on the other hand, he says it feels loose because because of a sense of people are just loving Jesus in any way that they can. And so he said, sometimes you'll, you know, cross your mind and say, well, Jesus probably has a sense of humor, right? And so maybe we'll write <laughs> verses for a song or something like that, that, that uh, maybe you wouldn't sing in church, not because they're, you know, full of heresy or something like that, but just because they're kind of a creative, funny take on something. Um, and, you know, I might raise my eyebrows in that way. Like, Ooh, it feels a little uncomfortable saying something like that. Again, nothing that, you know, I personally would find actually offensive to someone, just something that maybe a little out of the norm. Right. Yeah. So what do you do to build that, to make sure that that's what actually happens? Because one thing to say, hey, this is how we're going to roll. It's another thing to actually, like, make it happen. So yeah. what do you guys do? How do you, I guess, so let's start with how do you, um, the, like, you can't build something like this without a fantastic staff. Um, so how do you build a consistent staff that is meeting your expectations? Sure. That's, and that's really astute of you. I, I've known of other camps that have visited us here and are blown away and they'll talk about how they really want to bring it to their camp. I've known of people from Camp Philip who try to bring this to either other camps or to classrooms or, you know, their work environment, that sort of thing. And one of the hardest things they'll say is like, it's hard because that wasn't the culture at the other place you know where they're starting at this that just wasn't the culture that we had there and so to try to get people on board with hey let's not swear for example or let's not gossip let's not tear people down for what they're doing or that it's completely normal for people to sit down and write praise and worship songs together or to to say let's meet tomorrow morning for a bible study or how can i pray for you that that's just normal in the culture um, you have to really go back and, and say, well, how did that get going here? And, you know, we've just had such great leaders along the way here um, from our, our director, the camp director, or the, the previous program directors who were very serious about the whole concept of let's just live how Jesus lived and, and let that kind of dictate and guide us in what we do. And the more people that were impacted by that, that saw the results of that, the more that they wanted to do it. Um, and so they kept that culture alive. And, you know, that's part of my responsibility now here as the program director who hires our summer staff um, and oversees them. I have about 35 summer staff that are paid staff every summer. And I'll do a goal setting with them. Well, first, I guess I should back up. They have a very extensive application process and uh, uh, a big interview process that goes on. The interview could be literally hours long sometimes, um, where I really want to get to know them. I think that there's a lot of people out there who would be um, happy to have a job where they can play all day, as some people perceive it to be. But 
you know, to be able to to not just say that you love Jesus and and love children or people, and that's not to discredit people who say that, but to also see the person who's behind those words, the person who you'd be bringing on to the staff, um, how they're going to conduct themselves. And I always say, like, I've never hired someone who isn't a sinner. I only hire sinners. That's only because Jesus has never applied to work here. But I still... <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> Thanks. I only get sinners, and myself included. And so I look at that, and I, I'll see Jesus only hired sinners. You know, the the people who followed him, his disciples, um, they they probably weren't you know, the classiest of classy or the most spiritually profound people who followed him. But I'll look at that and I'll say, but Jesus took them and and he poured into them and he gave them training. He took them with him. They followed him. And, you know, the result is the same. They're still sinful, but but they lived differently. Um, they, were, they were impacted so greatly by that. And then they went and spread that love. And that's sort of what I'll be looking at when I'm, when I'm hiring, or at least one of the things when I'm, when I'm looking to hire here are people who who want to follow not camp culture, not not me. They want to follow Jesus um, because that's where we get our culture from, is from Jesus. And so when you get people with that attitude of like, yep, I'm a sinner, but man, am I willing to change? Do I want that different? I want to work at that in my, in my life. Um, and I want to not be ashamed of talking about Jesus. I want to to, to share his love with the people around me because I've, I've seen the love of Jesus and I've seen the impact that it has and I want to be a part of that. Um, those are the kind of people I want. And so that really helps create the culture here. And then, you know, because it's previously existed, people will arrive and it's it's just so common, Charlie, that people will be here and they'll, they'll see it, they'll see the atmosphere and they just, wow, they just want to be a part of it. They want to continue. We, we get accused all the time of being cult which (laughs) on one hand is totally insulting and another hand it's like almost flattering in in a sense of like well if you're saying we're a cult because we're doing something crazy about religion or worshiping another god um that's offensive but but if it's because camp philip people seem different i guess i kind of connect that to the to the salt and the light and that that yeah it is a different atmosphere here that you you really do feel loved and appreciated uh, as a person, and and you're told all the time how much Jesus loves you. But it's not just coddling. You you hear about sin and and the law and needs that we have in our lives, ways ways to change to to grow closer to Jesus. Um, and that atmosphere just permeates everywhere, and you you just so quickly become close to the people around you. Just just as Jesus said, you know, you confess your sins, and, and he's faithful and just, and that happens here. People people are open. They talk about what they're struggling with, what they've been going through, and then there's people on the other end of doing the encouraging and, and building up and bringing people back into the fold, and, you know, the Holy Spirit is just, I don't know, <laughs> on fire here. He's just rocking it and, and helping us all along. And so I really know that you know, at the, at the heart of it is, of course, Jesus and His love and the Holy Spirit, um, creating this this culture that we again. I just go back to we just try to live how Jesus lived, um, not out of obligation or anything, but because we see it, we see the love that He has, and we see that when we give that kind of love, the difference that it makes uh, in the world around us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I've seen what you're saying with the cult. <laughs> I may you say uh, in my uh, in my younger days, I may have even participated in that <laughs> a little bit. But the uh, like, I think people 
people like people get uncomfortable with something they don't understand, right? Mm-hmm. And so when they see a group of people, I, I just think particularly at, at MLC where you'd have like they'd run in such wildly different circles, like as students, um, and then you they like they just get together every once in a while in, in the you know the student center or someplace and just hang out, and they're all just like they look like a bunch of hippies, it's just mm-hmm. like peace loving, and it doesn't matter who you are or how weird you might be or like all that. You know, it just goes out the window and just like sit around and love each other, and, which is which is fantastic. Like it's it's absolutely. You know exactly what everybody like. You can understand why people want to recreate that mm-hmm. uh, when they leave here. Um, and I think people like the, it is an experience that's so uncommon that it like, it does freak people out. But mm-hmm. that's not your problem, that's right? Their problem. <laughs> well, the only way it becomes my problem is some of my summer staff will call me up or meet with me, and they'll say, you know, it's just kind of hard at MLC because it's a place where I want that. Like I would want people to be like, yeah, let's meet together. Let's pray together. Let's sing together. Let's, you know, work on sins or just, you know, work on getting closer to Jesus, like all these sorts of things. And they say like, but really we more get made fun of for it. And, (laughs) and, and, you know, it's called a cult. And so, you know, you know, it's nothing new to me. I've, I've heard it for a long time that, that that's the way it is. And I'm not going to, you know, put down MLC for that. I understand that like, there's a different culture and, and, you know, sin is there too, just like it's here. And, and it just impacts differently. And so I, I like to think of it as, you know, sometimes some of those MLC people do join the cult, if you will, but that they'll, they'll, you know, befriend the Camp Phillip people instead of seeing them as, I don't know, weird and hippies yeah. and such. And, and then, you know, it's so common that once they do, they love them. I've, I've gotten, you know, random messages from, from MLC students who say thank you to me. Um, which isn't necessary, but like, thank you to camp really for the atmosphere it's created and for what it's done to, to the staff and how they've noticed this uniqueness about them, the people that are there and how, how now they have been impacted because of the Camp Phillips staff that are there. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure that it's probably always going to be a polarizing thing, but as you noted before, until you experience it, you know, it can be, it can be weird. It can be, it can be strange, but you know, I just invite anyone and everyone to come here and, and experience it, what that's like to see Jesus' love put into action in such a real and profound way uh, here. And, and I you know, challenge anyone to, to think it was a horrible experience after they actually do it. Right. Well, one of my favorite John Eldridge quotes is, uh, <clears throat> he says, let the world feel, feel the weight of who you are and let them deal with it, uh, especially, especially when you are doing the things of God, you know, just like, let it let it be what it is, you know. Like if you know, like you know who you are, and you know what you ought to be doing, and what you care about, and how you would like to live your life as a, as a man of God. So it's like it's not your job to make anybody else comfortable with it. You, you know, let the world feel who you are, and then let them deal with it. Because like it's it's not your responsibility to make people comfortable around you. I mean, not you know what I mean. <laughs> I do, yeah, and I think that's that's great. That's Really, exactly how I feel is is you know I don't go out of my way to make people uncomfortable in regards to to sharing my faith or you know offering to pray for someone that sort of idea, but I I don't feel like I'm apologetic about it either. Um, that I just I just just want to live how Jesus lives, and I'm not <laughs> I'm not great at it. There's so many times I fail, but but um you know to keep keep striving. I think there's just such a just just a difference of accepting that like, yeah, whatever, this is, this is okay. People are like this, that sort of idea. Saying like, no, I want to live how Jesus lives again, not because 
because I'm so afraid of the law or something like that, but because I, I believe it. I, I think of uh, Psalm 32 where he says, I run in the path of your commands for you've set my heart free, that I just think of this as like, yeah, that's what the law is. It's it's like, hey, here's a way that you can live that's going to be awesome. And so we run with this freedom to, to follow these commands, not because they're burdensome, but because we agree that they are good, because we see the impact that it makes when when people do this, where I'll think like, man, if everyone followed Jesus' laws, if everyone followed his commands, like, I'm not going to say there'd be no need for heaven, because that's not true. There'd still be natural disasters, there'd still be death, and there'd be, you know, our, our, our original sin, there'd be all this, and, you know, no one's going to be perfect on this side of heaven. But, I, you know, what a world it would be to, to be able to go to, say, school and not worry that people are talking about you behind your back, or that you have to put time into what you're going to wear because, you know, you need to look just right or, or cool or you're checking yourself in the mirror because you're feeling self-conscious. Um, you know, all these sorts of things, uh, if that could just go away because you'd never fear that people are putting you down or tearing, you know, you apart with gossip and slander. Um, but instead, you just know everywhere you go, you're going to get encouraged um, to, to press forward in, in your faith, first of all. But in life, um, in, in, in the way that you're, you're a leader, the way that you're using your skills to further the kingdom of God, um, what a world it would be if people did follow Jesus' commands for what, it, what they are, what they're intended for, to say, hey, life would be great for you. I didn't give you these commands to be a burden to you. I gave them to you to be helpful to you. And I, I really think that's just so important to, to what we are as a culture and why things feel different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're spot on. <laughs> um, I'm going to keep going back to the uh, to the people thing, sure. because people create culture, right? You mm-hmm. don't have culture without people. Mm-hmm. Things can't create culture. Um, so when you're doing your hiring, like what is your you you said that you have a pretty intense like application and almost screening process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to talk about that a little bit? What does that look like? Yeah, just before I do to your point about people. Um, I actually heard this said, so this is not my own idea, but I I say it a lot now, um, is that camp could be run in the back of a pickup truck if you have the right people. And I I just so fully agree with this. Obviously, it wouldn't be the same to have camp in the back of the pickup truck, but, but our activities that we have here are really good, but you could get just as good or better activities at other places for sure in Wisconsin or, or the country or whatever, you could find these things, but it's the people, it's the people, um, through Jesus, of course, that, that make the difference, um, in atmosphere. I, I myself was impacted by that. I had gone to a different camp when I was a kid, uh, for a one week, not instead of camp Philip, but in addition to in a summer. And I loved it. I thought the activities were super fun, arguably, maybe even more fun than I had at camp as far as activities go, but I never went back to it. And at the time I couldn't figure out why, cause I would have said I liked it. I definitely liked it, but I remember thinking about it a lot. Like, why do I like this and yet not like it? And what it finally came down to for me was, Oh, it's, it's Jesus. It's the Jesus factor that the staff at Camp Philip shared the love of Jesus and this other staff didn't. And, and the way that campers interacted. I just so happened at this other camp, I just so happened to be on the right side of things as far as the coolness. I myself wasn't really a cool kid, but for some reason I got brought into the cool kid fold. And <laughs> and so it kind of worked out for me, but I, 
you know, it felt weird to me to, to watch other kids get made fun of. I, I sure hope I wasn't a part of that. Uh, I, I don't have any specific memories of, of tearing people down. If anyone's listening to this, who I did, I'm very sorry. <laughs> um, but, but, and that's not to say I didn't ever make fun of kids because I did when I was little. But at that camp, I just remember thinking it was weird that, that kids basically were allowed to bully. And I found it so strange because that, you know, didn't happen at our camp. Anyway, I'm getting so sidetracked. But, <laughs> but people, people make the difference through, through Jesus' love. And, okay, so the interview process. Wow, long tangent. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so the interview process um, starts uh, several months before camp. Um, I'll, people will express interest already uh, in the fall and such, but I, I give the applications out at the end of the year. Um, so in December, they'll go out for the, for the people who will work here the next summer. And um, the applications are long. There's the normal information that you'd get, and then there's a lot of, like, skills things on it. And then the big part of it are, are essay questions. There's a good dozen questions or more, and some of them are multi-points ones or, hey, what does the Bible have to say about this and about this and about this? Um, and then you have to answer that, you know, using Scripture to, to support your answer. So there's those applications, and that already, I think, discourages some people because it's just such effort to, to fill one of those out. Uh, and then the interview process itself, I'll, I'll meet with each of them. I try to do it in person. Um, once in a while it gets hard, and I'll have to do one over the phone, uh, but I really try not to. And then in person, um, most of the people who apply I mean, that's fair to say, yeah, most of the people who apply, I do already know to some extent because uh, they've been to camp or been a friend of someone who was at camp, and so I've met them along the way. There's a few that I haven't, and for the ones who I haven't especially, I'll definitely take a lot of time to kind of ask them questions about, about children and about people and what it would be like to interact with them or what would you do in this situation. I will do that for sure. That's important to me. But really, the, most of the people who apply, I already know um, you know, that they work pretty well with people or I've seen that in them or I've seen the way that they love Jesus or that they've talked about that in their application. So really I try to like delve into their life and find out what makes them tick, what motivates them, you know, um, try to get these ideas of how they handle situations. And so I'll give them role play situations or I'll give them a scenario and they have to act it out as if I'm their camper and they're the counselor and show me how they would handle a situation. I will play devil's advocate with them to try to make them uncomfortable just to sort of see them under under pressure i always think you know these people are being hired to work with other people's children and that's my job to to figure out mm. who to do and so i really want to see what it's going to be like when they're frustrated or when they don't know the answer to a question like well, what do they do how do they respond and then i'll i'll ask them about their life about things they're excited about, things they've been celebrating, but also struggles they've had in their life or that they're currently going through, um, you know, what their friend group is, is like, any drama that's going on, just really getting to know them at the core because when this is done, especially like if I'm going to be hiring them, I want to be praying for them in a real way, not to insult any other prayers, but in a way that says here I know specifically these are the challenges that they're going through that I could talk with them about, that I could, you know, pray for them for and check in with them uh, for how they're doing on it. And I can, you know, offer advice or point to scripture. I can become an accountability partner for them, those sort of things. Because I, I mean, it's people, people joke about a lot about how 
it's strange to think that I'm a boss who's, I don't know, like, what can I pray for you for? And let's meet up, let's talk, let's hang out. They're like, this isn't normal to do with your boss. And I, <laughs> I've never really taken that as an insult. I, I think that I get along really well with my, with my summer staff. Um, but it's, it's something that I'll like do during the interview that I'll maybe pummel them, challenging them. Like, how could you make this better? Or what would you think if we tried this? Or is it really okay that you don't get along with your siblings or your, or your parents? Let's talk about that. And why have you just accepted that your relationship with your dad is a bad one? Uh, you know, that sort of idea. And so we'll talk about that and I'll challenge them to look at it at different angles or I'll bring up scripture with them and we'll pray about it, that sort of idea. And I'll ask them, you know, what's that like to you? Do you, do you want to be pummeled by me? Because that's pretty much what the summer will be like, that I'm not just going to accept that, that you are complacent with a sin or with a struggle or something like that. I'm constantly looking for, for growth uh, in myself and in you, and, and I won't really back off if, if I'm not seeing it. So the, where the guy had said the thing about Camp Philip can seem really strict, I'm sure that's part of it, is I, I won't really back down on if I see that, you know, here's what the Bible would say, or this is what love would do, at least in my opinion. And, you know, what would you think of this? Could we try out, you know, this scenario instead? Could we look at the the situation from a new perspective? Could we look at it through this lens of love, or what would Jesus do in this situation? Um, and so taking them through and seeing, are they receptive to this idea? Are they coachable? Um, that's really important to me. I think that there's, you know, a lot of people out there who you could train to lead ropes course or that you could train to be a lifeguard or or even walk children from one activity to another but you want to identify the people who have a natural passion for people and for jesus and this love that they'll have and when you can find people who just simply want to be a part of a ministry where you're seeing the love of jesus and spreading that with other people like that's what I'll gravitate towards um, first and foremost. And then the other stuff is just a perk that I can, oh, and you happen to be a lifeguard? That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Otherwise, I, I mean, we, all our counselors come, you know, they're asked, you know, you want to be trained in ropes course as well? You want to be trained to be a lifeguard? You know, they didn't come here as a lifeguard, almost any of them, or as a rope staff, um, but they get trained in those things. I, I don't ask that. Another thing, music. We have this huge music ministry that happens at Camp Philip. People will always talk about, wow, like what do you do? Just go to a like a music school and recruit people, or you know that sort of idea. I said, you know, honestly, I've never even asked a person what kind of singer they are in an <laughs> interview, but it's true that that we just consistently. Get, you know, it's probably because we have you know all Wells Lutherans here that are singing. <laughs> so, but like it's 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 just cool. But these are the sort of things that are just like on the side. Yeah, that's cool if you can do that. But really, I just want you to be able to love Jesus and love love children. Um, and of course, you know, I care about competency, et cetera. You know, I'm not just, oh, you love Jesus, you can work here. Um, but but those things are very, very important. And then that plays right into the culture that we talked about before, that when you have people who are who are like that, who are coachable, who who love Jesus and, and people, that, that it's going to make a really big difference in, in what we have. And I'm, I'm very blessed and very fortunate that, um, many camps, many Christian camps actually have to look, they have to hunt, they have to recruit, beg and pray for for staff um, to, so that they'll have enough summer staff. And, and I think sometimes, unfortunately, it leads to them being in a situation of saying, eh, you know, he's a good kid, has some growing up to do, you know, that sort of stuff. And 
you know, I've just been really blessed that that's, that's not my situation here, that, that for many years I have not done any active recruiting to try to get staff to, to come here. We have, we have too many people apply and, and, you know, too many qualified people who apply, which is, you know, unfortunate on one hand for the people who are qualified but don't get hired, um, but really a blessing to have such a pool to pull from and such a, a great staff to work with then. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what, like, if you could name some characteristics, like these are things I'm looking for from, from the kids I'm interviewing, what, what would you, like, what are the big key things that you're trying to find? Uh, number one, love for sure. That'd be love for Jesus, love for, for children that that's evident in the way that they, they talk, um, the, the way that they handle situations, uh, that they want to do things in a way that would be pleasing to Jesus, I guess, is something that, you know, that I'll be watching for in an interview. Um, competency, for sure, that there's a there's a certain maturity in, in them. And it's not to say that, like, wow, every college child that I, that I hire or young man or woman that I hire here is just so mature. Like, for sure, they'll, they'll still do their goofball things or, you know, need, need correcting. But again, that whole coachable side. So I think that would be, you know, tied with the maturity is the, the being coachable is a big thing. And so, so looking at someone who's willing to, to grow. Um, one of my sayings that I have is, if you don't know, you can't grow. And so people who are willing to, to have things pointed out to them of like, hey, what about trying this? We could, we could challenge you to do this. Um, that's coming in a little bit. When I get done with explaining the interview process, um, I'll just jump the gun that also every summer staff sits down with me and does a goal setting. Um, it could take 20 minutes. It could take three hours, whatever it can, as long as it needs to take, where we talk about what they're going to work on this summer, that'd be professionally, that would be in their, their own personal lives, uh, particularly spiritual life as well. Um, that will sit down and, and make goals that are actually going to be strived for to help push them to grow. And so, you know, this, this awareness factor that, that I would want them to have of, if you don't know, you can't grow and like, Oh, Hey, thanks for helping me. Uh, learn this or see this so that that I can change, so I can Im- improve. And I, I don't know. As I hear myself s- self speak, I should say, I don't think that you'd have to come here worried that I'm just ready to pounce on people either. I'm, <laughs> I'm also super excited to celebrate with them. You know the the accomplishments that they've had and and the great job that they've been doing. You know, seeing all their strengths and and capitalizing on those. That part's very true as well. But I want to. I don't know, keep the growth process happening that, that I just don't want anyone, including myself to just plateau or be complacent and say, eh, this is good enough. I, I don't view Jesus model that way. I think he's just constantly wanting people to grow in, in their faith and, and, you know, how that would impact their life, maybe their leadership or their friendship, the, their family members, their communities, how growing closer to him would impact these other uh, areas of their life as well. So I want to see someone who's, who's coachable for things like that. I want to see people who um, are, are good at working with other people. So kind of the, the same idea of taking criticism uh, from peers. Uh, I, I pay attention to self-esteem because we do have such a talented summer staff here that it can be easy to to see the people around you and say, "Wow, I'm just I'm just not like that. I'm not as as good as them." That sort of thing, and mm-hmm. to feel maybe a little swallowed up. And so, yeah, that's that's one of the bigger struggles for sure. Every year, I'll have people that that on the staff, 
you know, struggle a little bit with that. And, you know, normally through the course of the summer, we'll, we'll be able to, to grow that out quite a bit. And, and they'll, you know, do the Christ esteem thing and be able to, to see themselves uh, the way that Jesus would see them and, and look at the talents that Jesus gave to them instead of how they compare to, to others, which, as you know, is, you know, such a big thing in the world today of, of social media and comparisons, that sort of thing. Yeah. So what's your, what's the end game? Like when, uh, when kids leave you, what do you hope they're leaving with or what do you hope that that's changed or, you know, like what is your, what's your objective by the time kids leave you? I guess I view it as, um, as it always was still in the Holy Spirit's hands. And so I, I am blessed, totally privileged to have this opportunity to be here to work with the summer staff and that they get the opportunity to, to talk about Jesus. And so we do that you know, seeds are planted or, or nourished, however you would view that while, while campers are here, that we get to, we get this time to share Jesus with them and to be role models for them and to learn and and grow with them. Um, and then when they leave, they're, they're still in our prayers. Many of them, um, you know, if parents are okay with it or are still in touch with us or they come back year after year, but then we wait and we, we talk about that while they're at camp about how the environment, the culture is different, you know, that when they go home, it's not the same. They're not having a couple Bible studies and devotions every day or singing in praises isn't necessarily the norm. And so we try to prepare them for that. We try to give them tools to use. And when I say we, like really it's coming out of the Bible, the things that we're telling them. So maybe just cueing them into the Bible and trying to give them plans for praying, plans for reading their Bible, plans on how to interact with, with friends and family or, you know, our counselors will talk about struggles that the that the campers are having. They're not just providing them, you know, fun activities while they're here. They're getting to know them, um, learning about their lives, and you know, trying to find out how they could could help them in in those lives. And so, when they leave here, we just hope that that God has used us, or that we've been able to do what God intended us to do. You know, that that we can play our part in equipping them for when they go home. Uh, to take these tools and continue to grow in their faith. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, one of the, what you're kind of making me think of is um, we talk at, at school all the time. We'll talk about the kids that like they have to they have to maintain their identity. You know, mm-hmm. so like if they're a tough kid, then they have to you have to let them be a tough kid. You know, you can't like stand in front of the whole classroom and talk about how wonderful they are all the time because it makes them wildly uncomfortable and they um, you know they really like their identity like the way they identify themselves is as you know a tough kid or i'm rough on adults or any you know that kind of thing and you have to kind of let them you know maintain their identity so that they don't get you know like so essentially so they don't shut down and just start trying to wreck the world mm-hmm. <laughs> to get back to something that's normal and comfortable and what i appreciate about what you guys do is a lot of times um, when you have a kid like that shows up at your door they um, they almost get a fresh start. Mm-hmm. Um, and like there, there might be a few little things that come along with them as baggage, but for the most part, you guys get to start with them fresh. And that again is a culture you've built that makes them comfortable to do that. Um, but I, I, I just, especially some of the, uh, like just having interacted with some of your, um, uh, counselors that were closer to my own age, where you see them, like you, like you can tell, like clearly something's different when they're, you know, there or when they're with their Camp Philip people than the rest of the time. 
not like sometimes in a good way, sometimes not so great. <laughs> um, and not to condemn anybody, but uh, and then and you watch them as they like kind of make that decision of like, you know what, I like that person, like I like who I am there better than who I am here, and they make that decision of like, all right, you know what, we're gonna leave that behind. We're just gonna, like you said, we're gonna live the way Jesus did, um, or get as close to it as we can. And like that's an incredibly powerful thing that most people don't experience um, unless they they have a structured opportunity to do so, whether it's on a team or at a camp like this or you know a specific teacher in a classroom, that kind of thing. It's a life-changing experience um, that nobody really realizes their life is changing in the moment. But like it is truly a life and eternity changing experience. Yeah, thank you for acknowledging that. That's exactly what I think of it as a, a transformational ministry that that the reason I'm so drawn to it is because it does impact lives. It impacted mine, and I've witnessed it impact so many others. Um, of course, through the Holy Spirit, the things that, that he does are just just so real and so amazing to, to witness and to be a part of. Um, I Actually, along those lines, one of the things that, I, that I'll talk about sometimes with people is um, being a chameleon, where I'll I'll talk about, you know, who you are here versus who you are there, and you know, if who you are here is someone who's praising Jesus and, uh, you know, willing to pray with people, willing to talk about Jesus in front of others, willing to just have good, clean fun without, you know, tainting it with coarse joking or or what have you. When I talk to them, I'll say, you know, that's who you are here, and that's what you do, but that's the culture here. So are you just fitting in? Because if you were going around swearing here, it would be noticed and not appreciated, not accepted. If you were going around making fun of other people here, people wouldn't herald you as like, oh, that guy's so funny. He's he just he's got the best rips. Like people would be like, Wow, what are you doing? And so you just really wouldn't fit into this culture if if you were essentially going against the stuff that Jesus wants us to do. You just wouldn't fit in. And so if you're doing that here, but you're not doing that elsewhere. Are you really just trying to fit into a culture or are you buying into it? And when people, you know, really process that, it'll impact them differently. Those who maybe are, are honest with themselves and will say, yeah, you know, it's true. I do love it. I love what I'm doing here, but it's really hard for me when I'm with my group of friends to be that way because it would be deemed uncool. It would be weird. And so, hmm, and they'll, you know, put some thought into it. And so am I a chameleon or, you know, I like to, to pause and make sure that I'm not giving them this big, big guilt trip about what a phony they are, but <laughs> instead to kind of say like, well, ask yourself this, what do you like better? Sim- simple as that. Which version of you do you like better? The one that's hanging out with your friends or the one that's here at camp? And so far it's always been the camp version, the one who's following Jesus. Um, maybe we'll say much more intentionally following Jesus. And, um, and you know, that's been the conclusion where I've asked that question to people. And then I just sort of challenged them, well, then what steps can we take to, to keep that being real instead of something that, you know, maybe is easier to do here because of the culture. Um, and, you know, that's a conversation I more often have with my summer staff, but that's because I don't interact with the campers as often as the counselors do now. That's my job is to train the counselors and then they work the campers. But when I do have opportunities to talk with campers or when, when counselors do, this is just one of the concepts is, is, you know, not just conforming to the patterns of the world, but instead to, to be this example, to be this, this light for people to, to live unashamed of the gospel. 
Um, so those are things that, that I guess like I'd, I'd want for the campers to experience before going home as well. The idea of it's not just a here thing, it's an everywhere thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. I appreciate that you're intentional about it too. That uh, like it's not just something that happens. It's mm-hmm. something we actually talk about. I like that phrase, chameleon. Are you a, are you a social chameleon? Yeah. Like you guys ought to write it. You guys have all those goofy songs. You ought to write a song about not being a chameleon. <laughs> you know, like I don't know how it would go, but just like I'm no chame- chameleon. <laughs> I kind of feel like leaving the podcast just so I can go write a song right now. <laughs> Thanks for the idea. Maybe there that's coming summer 2020. <laughs> so what to look for in 2020? <laughs> the chameleon song. Nice. <laughs> um, so uh, you guys have, like you said, you have all kinds of different programs. Um, you want to just outline what those programs are a little bit? Sure. We have them for all age groups. First of all, not everyone knows that Camp Philip is open year round. Um, and so we have retreat groups that come in and that could be women's retreats or teen retreats. We have gamers retreats. We have confirmation retreats. So a bunch of different age groups. Um, and then during the summer when it is our, our higher time, we have camps for second through fourth graders. They're called our peewee camps. Um, they are campers. I'm sorry, second. Let me say that. We have fledgling camps for second through fourth graders. Um, that's our youngest camp that is where they can stay in the cabins. And then we have camps all the way up third through fifth graders, fourth through sixth graders, uh, sixth through eighth graders, you name it. We, we have those age groups. And then we have our, our teen programs as well. Um, the camp that I referenced before, Pee Wee Camps, that's not staying in the cabin. They would stay in our campgrounds with their, and that's kindergarten through second grade. They'd stay in the campgrounds with their guardians and then work with us during the day to do programs. And then the families will come at night for campfires or other program stuff. Um, but then they sleep with their with their families in our campgrounds. Um, we also have a grandparent-grandchild camp. We have a camp for inner-city kids that happens as urban explorers. We have Jesus Cares Camp for people with various um, mental or, or physical disabilities that come. Um, so those are our, our summer programs. And then we also have spring and fall field trip groups that come in, uh, primarily Wells schools that will come in and do either a day trip or an overnight trip. Uh, with their class here, uh, doing programs like like ropes course and archery, geocaching, campfires, um, that sort of thing. And I love, I love the opportunity to do either of those day trips or overnight trips. But overnight trips, wow! There, I always think, man, this is. I would have loved to have done this when I was when I was a kid. Yeah, like just really a mass sleepover with your class. And I think on my end, the, the only downside is like, ah, I just want more time with them. Just just more time to kind of like keep them in this culture and because. You know, we'll maybe be at ropes course or something and we'll hear kids make fun of each other and, you know, we'll call them out on that. Like, why is that okay? And then, you know, bring up Jesus and uh, just talk about how their classrooms could be different if if people treated each other with love and respect, um, you know, or whatever it is, whatever their situation might be. It might not be so blatant. Maybe, maybe one child is just noticeably left out because they're a little different. Maybe they're not being made fun of, but they just haven't found their way to fit in. And so trying to find ways to let that child shine in their strengths and you know at the ropes course or otherwise bring them in to to share their ideas and to let themselves be known when we ask them questions about about life or their own challenges or experiences so that their classmates can see them as a as a real person and not just you know unfortunately as a weirdo or something like that um, to to bring them in and help bond the class together and we get a lot of feedback from teachers about that about how they want to do this every year in the fall so that their class can be bonded um, closer together through their experiences here at camp. 
uh, the way that they interact with each other, the, the lessons that they learn about seeing Jesus' love in action um, from one person to another. And um, so, anyway, those are the programs that, that we do, the, the main ones that we do. There's, there's individuals who will contact us and just try to set up their own, their own little retreats uh, with maybe their own church group or a family reunion or a men's group. That sort of thing can, can happen here. But those are the camp-sponsored ones that we have. That's awesome. Uh, we actually did, when I would, used to teach at St. Marcus, we came up with the fourth graders. It was awesome. We came at the end of the year, mm-hmm. um, but it was, it was awesome. It was a good, we did the ropes course. We didn't get to have a campfire, um, but because uh, like, I only got to do it one time. So the, uh, uh, we didn't get to have a campfire, but you know, sang the songs and did all that in the evening, and it was fantastic. And then we, uh, we had a couple kids that were like, legitimately trying to sneak out and just took one magic word bears and then that was it that was it it was over <laughs> they well were all done. right back in their beds and it was okay it was all okay so yeah it was good so thank you for that that was a lot of fun yeah i the st marcus still comes and, and they do do campfires now and it, yeah we love working with them yeah well there's even you got a couple of uh camp philip alumni that uh our teaching staff at st marcus yeah that, yep we do and that's that's always fun for me especially when they come here for the field trip groups to get to Get to see them again. I love it. Yeah. All right, we got the two big questions to ask every guest here as we as we come to the end. Uh, first one is if you could go back and talk to your, you know, 15, 18-year-old self for, for five minutes, what would you tell them? <sighs> Always go to the chiropractor as soon as your back starts to hurt. <laughs> it's true that, like, my first thought, um, for those of you listening, I'm, I'm lying down on my back while doing this podcast I have all kinds of back problems and issues going on with me right now and, and so I always think of man I would just want to tell him so like dude work on your core constantly never give up on your core because your back is going to kill you someday um, so like from a worldly perspective yeah that's something I would say but I think that I would try to impart as much wisdom on my 15 year old self as I could I'd, I'd, I'd tell them Pray for wisdom. God says He'll give it to you. This is this is, this is what I believe because it's what Jesus tells us. And and it was in high school when I started praying for for wisdom as a norm. Um, so I would tell myself to do that and to, to stick to that. I would um, encourage love no matter what. Um, I I think that my fifteen year old self would probably have felt like yeah, duh, obviously. But I'd I'd like really push and say no. Look at look at these situations in your life. Were you really loving there? Was it really okay to um, gossip about that person just because they were mean to you? Like, does that justify your response? You know, calling myself out on on ways that I could could improve um, to keep pushing forward. I would do that. Um, point out that love is an action. That it's a choice that you make uh, sometimes to to just say, I'm going to love no matter what. I'm going to love how Jesus loves that I would encourage that. Um, yeah. So I think that I would give myself the kind of advice that I give to my counselors, like love, no matter what, love how Jesus loves that sort of idea. Keep growing and then work on your core. (laughs) Hey, that, that's a good metaphor. Like work on your core, physically, (laughs) spiritually work on your core. That's great. We have another song to write. (laughs) There you go. And then you can like have a sit up break in the middle of it. You know, there you go. You got two songs coming out of this now. Um, I, I just love hearing people say stuff like you said. The biggest thing that you said was when I was 15 and started praying for wisdom regularly. Like, man, I because I wasn't 
you know, like I, I certain, like I was def, I had saving faith by, by all means, but like wasn't doing any active Bible reading or Bible study on my own. Like I wasn't definitely wasn't doing any regular prayer or I didn't have any devotional life on my own until like I kind of got into the quote real world and mm-hmm. got my butt kicked a few times, <laughs> you know? And, uh, I, I, I love hearing from people that, that say that and then who are, um, like, who like who were doing that at a young age, and then uh, encouraging other people, young people, to do the same, which is awesome. It's sweet. Um, the last question then would be, what does it mean to be a man, or what makes a Christian man? Without meaning to insult the question, I I think the same thing that makes a Christian woman a Christian woman um, is the emphasis is on the, the Christian side of things and not not the gender side, and I think that it's. I guess I'd put it like this. I know someone who's very very close to me who worked at a campus ministry center, um, but it wasn't a Wells one. Um, and when she told me about it, something that struck me as really odd was she had said, well, we don't advertise that we're Christian. We don't, we don't really use that word. We don't like people to know that we're Christian. And at first I was pretty off-put by it. I thought, that's kind of weird. Campus ministry center where you don't want people to know you're Christians. And um, when it got explained to me, it started to click more. Um, the idea was they were in a very liberal city, and Christians didn't have a great reputation there um, in the city in general, but on campus, you know, we're often seen as standing on the corners and you're all going to hell and, you know, bashing people who didn't hold their same beliefs. And And so they said, you know, we saw that labeling yourself as a Christian was off-putting and people wouldn't walk through our doors um, because they didn't want to be involved with Christians. Um, and so then then they said, so really, we just were a ministry center where people would come in and through being there, they might hear um, us mention a Christianity in some capacity, but more likely they're to hear us mention Jesus um, or that we live the way we live because of Jesus. Um, and then now they're in our doors and now they're having conversations with us. And that concept, I'm, I still know that, that I'm totally sold on don't mention Christian, but, but uh, I can accept it. But, but the whole concept of um, letting them see Jesus really stuck with me. And so in terms of a Christian man, I, I guess I'd say the idea is let them see Jesus. That in in what you do, in what you say, that that they are seeing Jesus because we first um, have been loved by God, and He shows us exactly what love is, what it looks like to forgive over and over and over. I know at least some of my sins, and they are plentiful. And to see like, wow, God's actually forgiven me over and over and over again. There's nothing that He's holding against me. I have no right to be His child, and yet He loves me. And that I can see that, and I can see his patience with me. I can see his willingness to die for me and, and for you and for everyone. I can see all these sort of things. I can see the examples that he's given of love. And just like I talked about much earlier in the podcast about um, these laws not being a burden to us, but something that, that, that are so helpful for, for a better life and for a way of living, um, that I can see all these things. I can see this love, and I can say, well, that's what I want to do. You're my role model, Jesus that I want to do that, I want to live in that way. I want people to be able to see Jesus uh, through through me, through what I do, through the way I act. So being a Christian man, just like being a Christian woman, I'd say, is letting people see Jesus through what you do. Yeah. 
yeah, my uh, I think the best answer that anybody could give is just that. You know, Jesus the per like Jesus was perfect at being a man. So if you're looking for an example of manhood, <laughs> there you go. He's perfect. Um, and then, so I want I want to dig a little more into what you said first. You said, um, you said, what did you say? You said there's not a lot of difference between being a Christian man and a Christian woman. Basically, I might be misquoting you a little bit. No, that's that's fair. I was saying for me the the emphasis I wanted to be on Christian versus the gender because I'd say like, well, I think women just as much should still love Jesus and and let him be known, like that sort of stuff. So I was saying like in that in those terms, my answer might not be what you're looking for as far as being a man. I don't think anyone's accused me of being manly in my whole life, but <laughs> but um, but the idea of um, being a Christian man, yeah, I've definitely been accused of that. Uh, and so I think that I was just trying to say, be a Christian, your, your gender already exists. Um, so if we're talking about roles of men and women, I think, think that, you know, things can, can change in my answer a little bit, but mostly I'd say like, be a Christian and then you're, you're a man and what makes you a man changes, you know, from the, I don't know if it's fair to say the stereotypical man who, you know, gets down and dirty with his hands and he can, work on cars and he loves football, et cetera. These sort of things, like if that's your version of man, that's great. Now put Jesus on top of that and in alongside of that and, and in it and saturate it. And now the when you're working on cars and you're loving cars and you're watching football, how does Jesus come out in what you're doing? How do you share him in, in, in what you're doing? How do, how do you cheer as a fan during, during a football game or whose car are you helping fix and how honest are you being when you're doing so? Um, how willing are you to help anyone and everyone uh, when they're having those those problems with their cars? So if that's your version of man, great, that's awesome. And then put Jesus, you know, like I said, in that and on that and, and through that and everything. And if your version of man is that you are musical and you, um, I don't know, write songs, then put Jesus in that. If your version of man is that you're a stay-at-home dad, great, put Jesus in that and, and see how that looks. So so take the skills that Jesus gave you as a man, as a person, take those skills, find out what they are, and say, you know, Jesus said to do them to the best of my ability, so I'm going to do them to the best of my ability, and that's all that he will expect from me. And if I'm if I'm doing that, I'm, I'm good to go. Um, not, not spiritually and salvation wise, but like that you're doing the right thing, that you're doing what Jesus has asked you to do, to, to take the gifts he's given you and, and run with them and flee from, from your temptations, that sort of stuff. And so I'd say, take who God made you to be, all your skills, all your, your shortcomings, not that he made you with shortcomings, let me rephrase that. Take <laughs> everything that you are because of who God made you to be. Take that and run with it run so far um and he'll he'll take you he says he'll you'll be able to do things beyond what you could even imagine because of what what god can do uh, for you and through you his power is just limitless and so take who you are as a man find those strengths and then saturate it all with jesus and see how it looks there you go i i, I want to wrestle with you here so the, <laughs> you'll uh, win <laughs> well, mentally wrestle with you. that is a that's a contest i might not win <laughs> um but so uh, i i so i think you're actually we're actually running like parallel parallel lines here the uh so i i uh um, I, I absolutely agree with you. And the more I study this and, and talk about it and think about it, um, the more the reality comes. Like, and when I do um, like workshops, this is the, like that's the reality that I try and paint is that 
um, when you talk about Christian manhood, like it's step and step with uh, Christian womanhood. Like it's all exactly the same, um, except like when uh, uh, when when you look at God creating Eve, then you like we literally like you know it's a PowerPoint slide, and then you know so this is talking about Christian manhood, and you lay out you know what God called Adam to do, and then there's a, you know, like you click it, and a little thing comes out and says, and you know at, and then. Uh, Eve comes alongside and like helps him in it. And then we talk about that word help and the idea that, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard this before, mm-hmm. you, the idea that um, the word for helpmate that we have in, in the NIV, um, like I under completely understand why some women don't like that word. <laughs> and I completely understand um, why it makes people uncomfortable. And it, like if you look deeper into it, the original Hebrew word is only ever used to describe Eve and the only other time it's used is when it's talking about God coming to the aid of his people. So you think about the power with which God comes to the aid of his people. So like when Assyria comes and, and God rescues them, the, the army marching in, in the trees, like you can hear God coming to the aid of his people. That's, that's the picture of, of helpmate that, that the Lord is painting when he says helper. So he's not talking about like the person that does the dishes. He's talking about like there's a, uh, there's a, giant and holy purpose in in that womanhood right and so it's not about it's not about like you said it's not about you know how you act and how um you know what your faith looks like and that kind of thing uh, the masculinity and femininity part simply comes from purpose you know mm-hmm. um and that identity comes from purpose and not from anything else so then i would flip what you said you said if that's your version of manhood i would flip that and i would say if i'm locked into jesus first and I'm totally on fire for Jesus, and Jesus is in everything I do, and we're having daily conversations. And like, if I'm locked into Jesus, um, my purpose is going to be, first of all, clearly painted in Scripture. Like, I'm going to clearly see what my role is and what my purpose is. And then as I go through life, there are things that are naturally going to be, you know, enthusiasms for me. And then I can check those things against Scripture and say, like, look. Is this, you know, really? So if I, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum as you, like I, I am uh, like the, like if you're going to paint a picture of the uh, manliest man on <laughs> planet earth, like you'd probably have six pack abs, but otherwise you'd probably paint a picture of me, right? Like big dude, beard, hair all over the place. You know, like I like genuinely enjoy you know, like chopping wood and that stuff, you know, I like working with my hands and that kind of thing, but that's not what makes me a man. What makes me a man is my identity as a child of God and knowing that my purpose then uh, is founded in that as well. And I, 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 I don't know. What do you think? I think that I'll take my gloves off. We can fight a little bit here. But I actually think we're talking more semantics because cause what I would say is I didn't really disagree with what you were saying. Um, I think that oh, – let me think this through better. You can edit this out well, I think, right? Great. <laughs> um, I guess I'd say it would fall back then to what I was saying about how, well, then what's the difference, man or woman, if both are going to say, what's my, sorry, if both are going <laughs> to say, what's my purpose, um, I'm following Jesus, I'm doing all this sort of stuff. So, like, that doesn't matter what your gender is. You right. Know, either of you will have that Absolutely. calling. And so in that, I'd say, like, that you and I are both on the same page, like, find that, discover that, or, I mean, the Holy Spirit's told you this, and so now listen to that, follow it. And and in that, then you can apply 
that to this the skill set that you have. And so maybe maybe I need to better understand you before I fight <laughs> anymore because I don't want to attack something and maybe I didn't maybe I missed something because I mostly feel like we're on the same page. Yeah, we oh we are on the same page. Yeah. Yeah, well, so that and that's that's something we bump up against all the time is this idea of us. I I don't know why it is, but especially in our circles, I think we bump into this wall where there's like really good, meaningful like women's groups and women's studies and and women's ministry going on. And then when we get to men's ministry or we get to talking about Christian manhood, people go, "Well, you're a man, don't you love Jesus?" And then that's the end of the conversation, and nobody intentionally teaches you know what it what it is to be a man or what it what it uh, like what does a Christian man look like, and nobody ever has that conversation. So then you end up with boys who are simply lost, and people who love Jesus and totally understand His Word, who look around and they say like what like what does God want from me, and they lose that purpose, and and that's exactly like so tying that into just education as a young man, which, I mean, if you, purely scripturally, that's a father's job, right? But if fathers aren't going to do it, that's where we come in and we step in and we, we start to fill that void, that void a little bit um, or play on the same team, right, as, as the parents do. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, it goes back to me then, based on what you're saying, the idea of you're talking to a boy, he's asking this question, well, what's it mean to be a man or a Christian man? And I'd say, like, well, I think therein lies the the problem is when the emphasis is on man. What's it What's it mean to be a Christian man? And I'd say, well, the man part isn't isn't really the focus. It's the, the Christian. What's it mean to be a Christian? You are a man. You're you know that's going to fall into place automatically. It already has. And so so when the boy is struggling and he's thinking, okay, so I'm supposed to like cars and I'm supposed to um, you know football and golf or chopping wood and growing my beard and like <laughs> working out you know if, if that's his perspective that's what men do fine I guess like I'm maybe sad at stereotype because I'm outside of it I do love football I should say that but like <laughs> like otherwise you know I'd say if the emphasis is on the man and this is all that is man and not all on what is Christian I think that that's that's the the problem because the the boy that's out there that says but I don't really like cars that that much or you know everything that maybe that you Charlie are into that that other guys aren't or some guy really loves I don't know water skiing and that's that's his thing and that's his passion he's not any less of a man um, so we just figure out how Christian attaches to that version of of man uh, for him because he just he is a man so now he just has to be a, a Christian as well and so if, if our emphasis on teaching boys to be Christian men was teaching them how to be Christians they'll be great Christian men yeah yeah well and I've actually had the conversation a couple of times with people where say I, I would actually like to take the Christian man label out of it I would say what does it mean to be a man and um, the assumption then would be you cannot be a man without Christ right you cannot fulfill your purpose as a man of God without that Christ piece there. And so the the water skiing or the working on cars or the football, that's not what makes you a man. What makes you a man is the purpose and identity you've been given in Christ. Interesting, because now we'd probably be in a fight again. Because now I'd say, like, I love the sentiment of it, okay? Everything you're saying, like, yes. But I'd look at someone, a good friend of mine who is an atheist, and I would, I'd look at him and I'd say, like, would I really say you're not a man since you don't believe in Jesus? And that part, I feel like, well... I don't know that part of being a man is putting myself above someone else to to say since I believe in Jesus and you don't 
you're not actually a man. Um, and so like that's I think where the disconnect is is for me that I don't want my identity to be one that's elevating myself above others because they don't share my belief system. Like I definitely have that sense of I want this guy to believe my friend. I want him to believe in Jesus and I do think that's important. I do you know, not just think that's important. I know that that is important, but I wouldn't attack him and say, you're not a man because you don't believe in Jesus. Um, and so like the sentiment of what you're saying, I agree with like, that's what we want a man to be. So you could get rid of Christian and say, this is what a man does. He loves Jesus. He does this. But then as far as a witnessing or evangelical side of, of this, uh, you know, evangelizing to someone just to say like, well, you're not really a man. You, say, you don't well, believe in Jesus. And, and again, like that, some of that goes into, uh, yeah, like just like, uh, what's the word? Um, ugh. Well, uh, why, why would you ever have that conversation? You know what I mean? Sure. But the idea of the pieces aren't going to fit together until uh, you have the Jesus piece, right? <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say, <laughs> I don't really think we're actually disagreeing oh, we're not on anything. Disagreeing at all. I just think yeah, that we're talking. We're not disagreeing at all. All right, man. I appreciate sitting down with you. Thanks for playing my game with me a little bit oh, there. Oh, I've enjoyed it very much, Charlie. Thank you. <laughs> appreciate it. Uh, blessings on the rest of your camp year. Hope you start feeling better soon. Thanks a lot. And uh, how, wait, how long does camp... So is this your last week of Bible camp? Uh, this next, next week, we have a half week. It ends on Wednesday. Okay. All right. So blessings, um, blessings on your off season as well as you get ready for the next next year. And um, man, just appreciate you letting me be on and, and having a conversation with you. Oh, thanks for the invite, Charlie. It's been a blast. Thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing on our podcast, make sure you're sharing it with friends and family, men in your life who you think need to hear our message. You can find us on social media, on Facebook under the Gird Up Podcast, and there's a Gird Up community as well there where you can interact with other men on the journey toward Christian manhood. You can find us on Instagram as girdup underscore like underscore a underscore man. If you'd like to help us bring our message to more men just like you all around the world, you can hit up our Patreon account. Type in www.patreon.com forward slash girdup. And finally, please leave a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you use to listen to our podcast, whether it's iTunes or Spotify. What that does is it helps us get more attention in the podcast world and bring more men to our message. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. Thank you for all the ways you support us and help spread the word. Until next time, go gird up and be the man that God created you to be.